For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Good day and God bless. I believe, I know you see the hat. What do you believe in, Coach Brown? Baby, I'm glad you had. I believe in the JSU National Alumni Association Incorporated. So much that I encourage you to join today. Not tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I'm talking about right now. You got to do this right now. We have over 50,000 alums from across the country, and your membership in our National Alumni Association will only help make Jackson State stronger. We need you, man. We need you, baby. We need you to help. We need you to join. We need you to be as well. We need you to unite. That's what we need. If you believe in text, I believe to 71777. Again, that's 71777 and become part of this Jackson State University National Alumni Family. The I love Jackson State University. I believe, baby. How about you? Tiger fans, welcome to part two of our interview with Coach Dennis Thurman on the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast as we bring you the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show and everyone. Follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. And we are back with part two of our interview with defensive coordinator, Coach Dennis Thurman, 1400 Lynch Street, the I love, I believe. You know, Coach, uh, uh, that part one man gave our listeners just a lot of red meat and information, you know, on your philosophy and, and your coaching tree and everything that you bring to the table. And, you know, we're excited to to continue that conversation. Uh, you know, you, you've got coach a tremendous amount of coaching experience uh, from different levels of the game as a player and a coach. And, and I know you've seen just about all that you can see as a coach, but one thing you haven't seen is, is coaching in preparation during a pandemic. So, I want to ask you, Coach, you know, what has it been like, you know, to navigate this system, uh, you know, virtually when players before players reported to campus? How's it been with the players on campus and, and working within the framework and guidelines that we have to for everybody to stay safe? What's been some of the, the things that you've been able to accomplish or have to do differently uh, in your coaching experience and applying that to today's real world of this pandemic? Well, it, it's been it's been obviously very 
a different challenge, uh, one of which we've never had to undergo uh, in my in my lifetime of coaching, mm-hmm. um, because everything has always been with the players, hands on, in front of them, uh, being able to teach in a classroom setting, being able to, to watch tape, being able to, to uh, have walkthroughs and things of that nature, nature and magnitude. Um, so it's been different. And what you're finding is that how good a teacher you really are is, mm. is being challenged uh, now more than ever because you, you don't have that, that face-to-face interaction that you do in a classroom. You, you know, if a kid, there's times when if a young person is asking a question and you're in a classroom setting and, and you're teaching football, you can get them out up out of their chair and say, come here. Mm-hmm. And you can physically show them right there what you're talking about. Okay. Well, you can't do that in a virtual setting. And so everything is, is verbiage. Um, one of the things coming from the NFL in 88, 89 to going to USC uh, in 93, and having coached under John Robinson, he 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 looked at me my the first spring I was there, and he was, "You've been in the NFL too long." And I, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You're coaching these guys like they're pros." Hmm. And I go, "Well, that's what I'm used to." And he said, "No." He said, "You're coaching young people, 17, 18, 19." who have other things going on in their lives. Mm. And you think football 24 hours a day. They have to go to school. They have to figure out where their next meal is coming from. They have to figure out, okay, how am I going to keep my girlfriend happy? They have a 20-page paper. They, you know, Their parents are calling them, okay? Their friends are trying to get them to go out and hang out. And all you thinking is football and You'll come in the next day and you say, Hey, we're gonna we're hey, we're gonna move on from where we were yesterday. And we're talking about cover three. And you just gloss over cover three and you believe they they got it. And he goes, Ask them to go to the board and draw up cover three. They will look at you like, Coach, what are you talking about? We didn't go over cover three yesterday. Yes, we did. Well, you don't know what that young person had to deal with when they left your meeting room and they left practice. They may have been up all night studying for an exam, okay? And all you're thinking about is football. And it put things in perspective for me when he said that because my assumption is, hey, they're thinking football 24 hours just like I am. Mm. No, they're not, okay? Mm -hmm. They lose things. And I, I started saying that things seep out on their pillow at night. <laughs> okay. And they honestly will not remember some things that you went over the day before. And so you have to refresh them. You have to show them 
and continue to show them up until game time and learning how to coach from a simple perspective. John Robinson, again, don't use words you can't spell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, he said, you need to, you got to keep it simple. He said, if you can't spell it, don't use it because they're not going to remember it anyway. And they get caught up on this word and they lose the meaning of what you're trying to say. So don't get involved in all of that. Okay. And so I've learned to coach from a very simple perspective when it comes to verbiage. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't use words that I can't spell. I keep it as simple as possible. And it is, it's, it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's also worked for me that he, he said, there's times when you're coaching a college kid, you may have to take and say, okay, I want your right foot here. You may have to take and put his right foot where you want it. I, I need for your left hand to be here. You may have to take him and show him, put his left hand where you want his left hand to be. And he says, it's an oversimplification of teaching, but it may be what's required because you're not dealing with professional athletes that are getting paid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're all they're thinking is football 24 seven. And I, mm-hmm. I never forgotten that. And so it is it, but it did take me a minute. And I, and I talked to coach Brown and I told him, I said, you know what hit me today? And he said, what? I said that I'm coaching college kids. Hmm. And he goes, yeah. He said, <laughs> if you get used to coaching the NFL, that is what will happen to you mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. you are no longer coaching in the NFL. You're coaching young people who are learning how to play this game. Mm-hmm. So it's been good. Good deal. Sir. And, and coach, when I, when I hear you talk about those young people in those terms, man, and, and, uh, uh, and, and coaching particularly at that level, you talked about being a player's coach uh, and now coaching, you know, younger people taking on that also that parental uh, role throughout your NFL career, coaching career, uh, and now coaching at Jackson state. What, what has it been like with your own young people, you know, adjusting, uh, uh, the family aspect of coaching, the time away that it takes on you, you know, whether it was playing in the NFL, now coaching and, and still having to, to, to be not just Coach Thurman, but, you know, uh, uh, Father Thurman and, and, and family responsibilities and, and time. But so much goes into coaching that we forget coaches have lives outside of that. You know, how, how do you merge all that together now coaching college? Well, for me, um, my daughters were young. They never saw they never saw me play football. So all they've ever heard is and I don't I don't have tapes or videos or any of those things that I say. Like I said, I, I let other people, you know, judge my performance. I, I went and did it and I did it to the best of my ability and I let other people, you know, tell me what they thought. Okay. And I I've never And people ask me all the time, why don't you talk about what you did? Why? I did it, okay? I I don't need to judge it, okay? I just know that I gave what I could give. And so from that standpoint, I never saved anything. Uh, And 
like I said, my daughters weren't old enough to watch me play. They're, they've been old enough uh, to watch me coach. And I missed a lot of time with them. Obviously, one, I got a divorce when they were young uh, from their mom. And uh, we're great friends now. We have a great family uh, dynamic. Um, you know, sometimes two people just can't stay married, but mm -hmm. we're great friends. And, and we put our, our daughters first. Um, and that's why we were able to maintain the friendship and understand that uh, even though we couldn't make it, we're not going to punish our children uh, and take things from them that they would have had had we stayed together. So prioritizing them was first and foremost. And come to find out they love football and mm -hmm. they enjoy watching football. Um, and they root for whichever team it is that I'm coaching with. And they enjoy coming to the games. And now I have a nine-year-old grandson, nine-and-a-half-year-old grandson who plays Madden and gets on his iPad. And he loves, hey, Papa, you know, watch me. And so <laughs> watching him on his iPad and he's ringing him up, hey, I'm Patrick Mahomes and I'm Lamar Jackson. And he's, I mean, he is engaged. Um, and enamored with the game of football much more mm -hmm. than, you know, he likes LeBron, um, obviously. So he'll watch basketball, but football is his game. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's going to get to play it because my daughter, his mother, he's not going out there on that football field. There's no way. Well, <laughs> my mom didn't come watch me play until I was in high school. So yeah. she was so afraid that I was going to get hurt. And, uh, you know, I get it. I, I do. But I, I'm not sure my grandson is going to get a chance to play. But mm -hmm. I know he loves it. And, uh, you know, from that standpoint, my entire family uh, loves sports. And we've always enjoyed uh, competing against one another. So from that standpoint, we, we just, it's, it's a wonderful game that has brought us a lot of joy and, and it's mm -hmm. taken us from one economic bracket to another um, mm -hmm. because of it. And so we're grateful and very thankful uh, for the game of football and sports in particular, because without it, I'm not sure that we would be where we are mm -hmm. um, as a family, but we have no regrets. Okay. We're not giving back what we've earned. Yes, sir. And I, 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 I'm glad that football, man, uh, has given to you and your family and, and and has allowed you to, you know, come be a part of our extended family here mm -hmm. and media family now at Jackson State University. So everything, you know, happens and develops for a reason, man. Just have to right. time keep going. And I'll tell you this, coach, it's something here in that story that I got to tell you that you, Chuck Bishop and I have in common. Not only are we divorced fathers of daughters, me and Chuck daughters ain't never seen film of us playing either. So uh, now, now it's for different reasons, but <laughs> I just oh, wow. didn't, I just didn't want you to think you alone. Now my daughters right. and Chuck right. daughters they, they ain't seen no footage on us. And you know what? Some of it was good. Some of it was not so good. Okay, because mm -hmm. there's no perfect football player, but trust me. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I understand. I can Absolutely. appreciate that. I can appreciate mm, right. that. Yes, indeed. Right. <laughs>
you know, Coach, that's that's great insight on you as a father. And, you know, all four of us here on this recording are fathers. And we talked earlier about how it hit you uh, that you're coaching college kids now. You know, Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go and he will never depart from it. I think you can somewhat apply that to being a father and coaching these college mm-hmm. kids. You know, when you're coaching those NFL players, you know, during the, the pandemic where they're not able to, to work out and things like that, I, I think that you don't have to stay on them as much in terms of coming back to camp in, in, in shape. But I think with the college kids, you have to be on them a little bit more. So can you talk about where the guys are conditioning-wise considering how long it's been since they played a football game? Um, behind. They're behind. Um, but that's to be expected. But our strength and conditioning program, the guys, CJ uh, and his staff, are really doing an excellent job to uh, to get our guys up to speed. Um and people don't really realize how important your strength and conditioning program is to the overall success of your program. Um, I remember going from USC to Dallas, and there was a, a, a gentleman named Bob Ward who, was, who had been an Olympic trainer uh, for our Olympic teams, and he was our trainer. And... The things that he put us through, you know, we lifted real weights back then. I mean, we lifted dumbbells and barbells and, you know, unlike these kettlebells and stretching bands and, you know, the more modern things that they're doing now. And I just remember as a player, you know, we didn't miss games. We didn't have players that missed games. And it was because of how we trained in the off season. I mean, we power cleaned, we did, we squatted, we did deadlifts, we did things that they don't do today. Um, where, you know, they're saying, oh, it puts stress on your back, it puts stress on your joints, it puts stress. Well, I look at it like, because it's such a violent sport and it is of collisions, that if you have an old 66 Chevy run into one of these fiberglass cars that, you know, these newer models, that old 66 Chevy is going to do a lot more damage than Mm -hmm. that fiberglass car that you have. And that's the way we trained and we had very few injuries. Um, I never missed the game. And, And I started playing football when I was 10 and I played for 20 years and I never missed the game. Um, in any sport, football, baseball, basketball. Um, but I always attributed that to how I trained, the condition that I that I stayed in. I wasn't the biggest guy, but I was always in great shape. And um, when you have a strength and conditioning staff that's dedicated like ours is here at Jackson State, I feel like we're going to be – we're going to win games in the fourth quarter. Um, and one of the greatest examples I – well, there's two, Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I was, you know, I, I had a chance to play against him. Uh, when I was in Dallas, he was in Chicago. And he played with a good friend of mine who I played with in college, Vince Evans, was his quarterback. And, uh, and so I had a chance to play against them. And I read how Walter trained and how hard he trained and how committed he was to his training. And, uh, how he could be 
as strong in the fourth quarter as he was in the first. And uh, never forgot that. And then, I, you know, Jerry Rice, who came after uh, me and how hard he trained and how committed he was to his training. Um, and I always felt like I trained that way. Um, and I always felt like you never knew who you were going to have to come up against and compete against. Um, so you better be ready when that time comes. And not getting tired when others would get tired was something I always felt was an advantage. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we have great, great guys in our strength and conditioning program that are going to get us to an elite level. Um, and we're going to win games because we are in superior physical condition to other teams. And so we have ways to go, but I think our guys are committed to, uh, to learn how to do, uh, do that. And we'll see. We'll mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. All right. Right. And you, you talk about that strength and conditioning program and how superior it is. And, and you know, the fact that you'll win games. Well, one thing that's going to help you win games is, is the players that you have. Yeah. And one of the, the hot topics of discussion nationally has been JSU's recruiting success. And I've noticed you guys are placing emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. So without giving away too much, can you talk to us about how you've been able to have so much success recruiting wise, especially in such a short amount of time? Simple. Be honest. Um, mm -hmm. honesty, uh, Mickey, Mickey Andrews, you know, uh, Bobby Bowden, uh, at Florida state, you know, when they recruited, you know, Dion, he talked about how you're going to come here and you're going to compete. I'm not going to give you anything. You're going to, you, you know, if you want to find out how good you are, we're going to play for championships. You're going to play with other great players. You know, we, we're going to win and it's going to take you and others to, to accomplish what we, what we are trying to accomplish. Same with John McKay. John McKay, same thing, recruiting. You know, me sitting in his office. You want to find out how good you are? Come to USC. Mm. You're going to compete. You'll earn whatever you get here, you will earn it. I'm not giving you anything. We're not giving you anything. So, you know, you're being recruited by a lot of people. So guess what we're going to do? Hey, we're going to offer you a scholarship, and you can say yes or no. But if you come here, what you get, you will earn. You will know you earned it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the spiel. And mm -hmm. Coach Prime, same thing. You know, you, what you get here, you're going to earn it. We don't give you anything. And what the one thing we can guarantee you is that we're going to coach you the way you should be coached. Okay. That much you're going to get from us. That much we will promise you that if you aspire to play on Sunday, we have coaches who've done it, who've been there, who understand how to get there and we can help you. Now, all of you going to get there. No, but we know what it takes. Okay. And we're, and we are, we're coaching these young people as if, they're professionals from the standpoint of, hey, you can't continue to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. You got to learn what you're supposed to do. You got to be committed to what you say you want. Okay. And that is doing everything the right way. 
and to the best of your ability 24-7. That's what professionals do. Preach, preacher. You, you reminded me of another one of my favorites. Uh, one of my favorite quotes ever, man, Frederick Douglass, when he said, in life, you may not get what you pay for, but you will pay for everything you get. There's no question. And, and, and you, you know, you have to put just because you put in the work does not mean success is going to come. Yeah. But the only way success is going to come is that you got to put in the work. Got to put in the work. Uh, and, and man, it's, it's just I'm, I'm so honored, man. And you know, to have you and your philosophy and, and, and your resume and credentials here at Jackson State working with our, our young people, man, to show them you know, where to go. And, and, and coach, we, we're not going to hold you too much longer, man. We, we appreciate your time, but just a couple more things, mm-hmm. uh, especially with you having been in the NFL ranks uh, as a coach, when you look at what's taking place uh, uh, now, as we go into this Super Bowl, and one of the things coach prime has always preached since, since coming here, September 21st is announcement uh, is not only do we have to create within the HBCU universe, the opportunity for players to go on to professional athletics, that, you know, when's the last time an HBCU coach went to, you know, pro, uh, professional coaching? And, and you having been there and you look at what the, what's happening with the Buck staff and, and the Chiefs staff, you know, how do you how are you feeling uh, about that when you see uh, as yourself being a defense coordinator in the NFL and, and seeing the opportunity? And where do we have to go and grow and develop to make sure that there's a pipeline of black coaches moving up the ranks? Well, I, I, the one thing that I've been talking to a, a lot of young black coaches about is you got to get experience. I mean, we all know that things change, okay? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to us, things change even more, okay? You guys understand what I'm saying. I mean, one t- one year it's you need to do this okay in order to be considered the next year you have to do this in order to be considered um but that changes quite often for us um and after getting here and seeing it's not much different power 5 hbcu not much mm-hmm. difference. Okay. Kids are kids. Are kids. Young people mm-hmm. are young people. Okay. And all want to be coached and taught how to play this game. And what you begin to realize is that it's opportunity that you're looking for. And we've ignored the HBCUs for a long time. Okay. Um, I'm talking about us as black mm-hmm. coaches feeling like you go to a Alabama or you go to a Texas or you go to a, you know, Notre Dame or you go to a USC, you're going to get noticed. Okay. But what you also find is that if you had opened your scope and looked at the HBCU as an opportunity to check some boxes that, hey, he's been a coordinator. He was a head coach. He understands how to run a program. You probably could have gotten that opportunity at an HBCU, okay? And there's a part of me that wishes back in the day when I was growing up 
that when Eddie Robinson had a chance to go coaching the NFL, mm-hmm. that he had taken it. Mm-hmm. As I look at it today, I wish he had taken it. One of those jobs. Wow. That he was offered. And I say that selfishly because he was offered more times than people know. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you know his story, you know that he had opportunities to go coach in the NFL on numerous occasions, but he, he opted to stay at Grambling. If he takes one of those opportunities and he goes and he has a measure of success, now the HBCU coach is on the map wow. in the NFL. Mm. Okay. And so when I look back on that, I'm not mad at him. He just made a decision that he felt was best for him. But when I look at it overall, and after having been at the NFL level, that they there's you haven't done it. You haven't been a head coach. You haven't, you know, checked that box, so to speak. Well, mm-hmm. if Coach Robinson had been, which he was at Grambling for a long time, and he goes to the NFL, he has success. Now that he opens up another avenue for us to have the opportunity to go to the NFL from an HBCU. And it's not looked upon as being somewhere that you can go that you're not going to get that opportunity to get to the NFL if you're an HBCU head coach. Because mm-hmm. name one. Name mm-hmm. a head coach that's come from the, from an HBCU. There it is. Yeah. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and so to travel that avenue, you, you kind of feel like, well, is it going to get me there? Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to have that same notion of opportunity that we're trying to preach in these young people to come to HBCUs. It's, yes. it's the same thing on the professional side. That's profound. That's great. Great perspective, coach. Yes. Great perspective. And so, like I said, I mean, and I know coach Robinson. I mean, I admired a man. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal man mm-hmm. and also a coach and a father. And a, I mean, Doug Williams and I are really close. And I, I mean, I love the, we came out of college at the same time. He told me stories. Everson Walls, great teammate of mine. We talked, about Planet Grambling, and uh, they told me and shared some great stories with me about their experience and playing at Grambling, playing for Coach Robinson. And, you know, I, I feel like I know the man, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I look at it and go, I just wish he had taken one of those jobs in yeah. the NFL. Be different. We'd be yeah, would be. Things differently. Would we be. would be. So, so it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah, it will. It will. It, it will. When it does, when it does, it'll it'll paint the HBCU in an entirely different light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, success begets success, so we just no have question. to have to produce those environments uh, where that success happens, man. And uh, you know, because pe- people are going the, these. These are businesses, you know, I don't care if it's higher education, you know, be a power five HBCU or professional sports. It's all businesses. And and people want to invest in something where there's a return on the investment and and the the best. And I tell this to players, coach, and I I know you'll get it as y'all prepare. 
the best indicator of future performance is past performance. Yes. And, and so people want to hire winners. And when you yes. can prove you're winning at one level, you're, you're given some notion and room that, okay, you can win at the next. So we, we just got some work to do, man. And I think what y'all have put together and are putting together uh, is just, as we say on this podcast, it's going to be a big ripple effect for all HBCUs. It's going to start at 1400 Lynch street, you know, the, I love all the way. Uh, but this is something that's going to happen across this nation uh, in the years uh, to come. And it all started here with coach prime coach Thurman and his staff. So, man, we, we're looking forward to, we're looking forward to seeing how this story is written and we still got the pen in our hand. I understand. Mm-hmm. Do you know what we're, we're gonna, we're gonna help write this and we're all going to be proud when we're finished. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's how we're mm-hmm. looking at it. Sure. Not, not being arrogant, just confident and believing that we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. We're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Coach, let me ask this. In, in the time and space that we're in here with, with Coach Prime here in our HBCU ranks, uh, do you think that the HBCU assistant has a career track to the pros? Because there is a lot of talent uh, as far as HBCU assistants uh, that are coaching uh, in the SWAC and MEAC now. I, I, I believe that the opportunity to coach at the NFL level has got to come from greater than friendship. Um, And by that, I mean, a lot of times coaches get hired because you're friends of someone who just got hired or as a head coach or a general manager or an athletic director. Um, The game is played on the grass. It's not played in a, in a, in an office. It's not played on a computer. And analytics has always been a part of sports. It's always been a part of football. But it seems like the the hiring process is now more about, you know, the other things. The game itself is not being taught and played on the grass the way it once was. And that's where to me, the game is, is deteriorating to a point where you're getting more analytics in, that are involved in it than the actual teaching of how to play the game. The scheme becomes more important than technique fundamentals and understanding of how to, hey, I'm going to teach you this scheme, and the scheme is going to get us where we need to go. And no, no technique fundamentals you go watch Alabama play and Alabama beats everybody because they're better coached than everybody you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you you watch them play they they're the best coach team in college football okay mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty simple okay and they, they, over the course of 60 minutes they're going to do things better than you do and they're not going to beat themselves. When when New England was was winning, you know, was, was, they didn't beat themselves. Mm-hmm. Over the course of 60 minutes, they were going to allow you to beat yourself because they weren't going to beat themselves because they're better coached than you are. The game is not played in a classroom. It's not played through analytics. 
because you can't predict human error through analytics. Mm. And so when you start following analytics only, you're barking up the wrong tree. The game is played on the grass. It is played on the field. It is played with you making spontaneous decisions under the greatest amount of stress and duress where people are trying to keep you from getting where you want to get to. Okay. How do you persevere and continue to work through that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you learn that in analytics, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you tell me that you can, you can come up with an answer through analytics with that, I'll say, okay, let's go. Let's go with the, let's go with the analytics. You can't determine that. Okay. Patrick Mahomes last week, Josh Allen going into that game. Everybody's talking about, I think Josh Allen has, has gotten to the level of Patrick Mahomes until you watch the game. And if you watch the game, you see that Patrick Mahomes doesn't blink when things go negative. You let something go negative with Josh Allen. And if you look in his eyes, there's a different look in his eyes than there is in Patrick Mahomes' eyes. That, 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 that piece that you saw where the, the, the wide receiver fumbled the punt mm-hmm. and they're losing nine nothing. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he, hey, what? Hey, we're, we're built for this. Get your head up. Yes. Okay. We, we're, hey, we've been here. We've done this. Okay. And then he, he does what he does. He scores a touchdown. And Kelsey comes over to him and says, that's the way to fight through adversity. That's how you fight through adversity. Mm-hmm. They have a belief in themselves that is unparalleled to what you see in the NFL now. New England had that. But who did they have playing quarterback? Mm-hmm. A guy that they believe in. We had it when I played in Dallas with Roger Staubach. The San Francisco 49ers had it in Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh Steelers had it in Terry Bradshaw. I mean, there's that guy that defines your team. And when it happens, you know who you have. Okay? And that guy gives you the belief that we're never out of the game. Mm-hmm. We're never out of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so it is when you when you are a part of something like that, then – it is all about that pedigree that you guys develop together, but know that it takes all of you to get it done. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Right. Wow. Nearly, you know, this is, this has been one for the ages. You know, I, I, I hate to end it, but you know, at some point we have to let him go, you know, during this, throughout the course of this interview, you know, at times I felt like I was in class. <laughs> I felt like I was in church yeah. at times. I felt like I was inside the locker room at times. I felt like I was inside the coaches <laughs> meeting room at times. So it's just been amazing. You know, you're just a, a football historian and it has been our pleasure. I, I have to ask you one more thing before we let you go. It's a bit of a fun question, but definitely interested to, to kind of get your perspective on this. Now, I'm going to name five positions mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the mm-hmm. field, okay, where you can have elite talent. Gotcha but you can only select two of these positions for your defense where you have elite talent. Okay. I want to know which two would you choose? All right. So a lockdown corner, a ball hawking free safety, 
a pass rusher extraordinaire, a dominant defensive tackle, and a linebacker who plays from sideline to sideline. So you get to pick two of those to build your defense around where they will be dominant players. I'm going to take a dominant inside pass rusher, and I'm going to take a lockdown corner. Mm. That that's that's what I'm gonna take. We we built the defense around the corner in New York in Darrell Rivas. And what it allowed us to do was we could take him and put him on their best receiver if we wanted, or we could take him and put him on their second best receiver, and we could then manipulate the rest of our defense if we wanted to play zone and put him in man and allow him to just play one-on-one and we could use the other 10 pieces any way we wanted we were able to do that and we had gotten the idea and the approach from watching san francisco when they had uh coach prime dion with the 49ers and then what and how Dallas used him when he went to Dallas the year after. And you can build your defense around a great corner. And it hadn't been done before in that way. And yet, all of a sudden, it became very fashionable to do. Mm-hmm. And when you have an inside pass rusher who's constantly pushing the path, the, the pocket of the quarterback, it's different than having an outside pass rusher because an outside pass rusher, you can push him up up and around the quarterback. He can Mm -hmm. step up in the pocket. It's, it's more difficult for a quarterback to look down the field when the middle of his pocket is being collapsed by a great pass rusher inside a la Joe Green. Warren Sapp, okay, those types of individuals who are constantly pushing the middle of your pocket. And that's why I said, for me, give me a great pass rusher, okay, inside and a great corner. And I think we can build a great defense. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Now, will I take will I take Ray Lewis at middle linebacker? Yep. <laughs> will, will I take Ed Reed at free safety? You bet. <laughs> will I take Lawrence Taylor rushing from the outside? Yes. So I am. But having a Tony Saragusa push the pocket up from the middle that, that 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 goes a long way too. Yeah, I mean it puts pressure in the quarterback's face. It if you were to ask a great basketball player do you is it harder for you to to have someone in your face shooting over the top of them or somebody on your peripheral what bothers you more Hmm. when you're looking at a a stationary or even a moving target Mm -hmm. is something in your face is going to be more difficult for you to deal with than something on your peripheral so if you're pushing that pocket inside that quarterback has to move Okay, it's it's tougher. 
And so give me the inside pass rusher first. And that's what, when you look back on the Steelers defenses, Joe Green was so important to what they were doing because the quarterback, what do they tell all quarterbacks? Get in the pocket and do what? Step up. Step mm-hmm. up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can't step up, then what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like my football IQ has gone up tenfold, mm-hmm. Coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it, it, it's all about what they're teaching them. If you understand what they're teaching them, then you want to offset what they're being taught. Use their coaching against them. Yeah. Is how we like to put it. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. I love it. You know, Coach, we 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 truly are about to let you go. And this is man, this has been full of red meat. Our passionate fan base got a lot unloaded on them as it relates to uh, what the Tiger defense is going to look like for, for seasons to come under, under your leadership. Uh, but from time to time, man, we, we, get, we get requests or, or questions from fans. And, and one of our biggest fans of, of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club, he wanted us to ask you something, Coach. He's, okay. you know, make, sh- make sure that we ask you something. And, and, and I don't think I can do the, the question is, is due service. So what I'm going to do is, is just let, let this fan ask this question in his own words. So, okay. so here goes. Here goes. Okay. Ask him about Mike Trin. You got to say it like that. Mike Trin. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Uh, I have no comment. No, no, I'm not touching that. I am not touching that. You gentlemen have a great evening. <laughs> My cream has checked out of the building. <laughs> hey, well, to our listeners out there, Coach, that was that was head coach. I know uh, Coach was. Prime, Deion Sanders, and he wanted that question <laughs> asked, man. And, and I, I knew it was going to get a reaction. <laughs> there is no way I'm touching that, okay? <laughs> Never, ever. My touch okay. So, hey, I, hey, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. But on that note, I'm gonna say good night. Good night. <laughs> Coach Prime, oh, getting us in trouble, y'all. Y'all see that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, no, 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 no. Hey man, no I enjoyed it. We'll do Same it here, again. Coach. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. sir, man. Coach, uh, All right. man, we appreciate you, man, and, and God bless you, man. And thank, and thank you. you for, you know, bringing your talents to 1400 Lynch Street, man, and embracing his family. And uh, we are embracing you in return, man, and anything that we can do from Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club to help you in the defense and, and the Tiger football program become success, man. We're, we're one phone call away. No doubt. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank we'll you. Do it. And I look All forward right. to doing it again. Okay. Yes, sir. No doubt. No All righty. Enjoy. You guys be safe. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that'll do it for episode 125 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast listeners, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department, and it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know, we're on all podcast outlets, Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcast, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag I Believe. Hashtag The I Love. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.